Amen. Let's march down the center aisle, please, and return to the wall. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, Lord, I want to be in that number when the saints go marching in. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, Lord, I want to be in that number, yes, when the saints go marching in. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, Lord, I want to be in that number, yeah, when the saints go marching in. And when they crown him king of kings, when they crown him king of kings, oh Lord, I want to be in that number, yeah, when they crown him king of kings. Oh, when the saints go marching in, oh, when the saints go marching in, oh, Lord, I want to be in that number, yeah, when the saints go marching in. Amen. If you love the Lord one more time, let's glory in him. And praise that name above every name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God bless you all. You may be seated. Can you believe it? School starts this week. What? It seems to get earlier and earlier as time goes on. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, as I well, kind of openly ruminated a few weeks ago. There shouldn't be a summer break anymore. This is ridiculous. This isn't, this isn't way past time. It's way, 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 way past time that we make this adjustment in America. Uh, ob obviously, of course, we recognize that there was once upon a time when children needed to be at home during the summer to plant crops, tend to crops, harvest crops, etc. We totally get it. But since about 1960, that's all been done by gigantic combines. I think we can just continue in school all year round. And still, this week, no one wants to say amen to that. It's just not spiritual enough. That's what it is, Bishop. No one wants to say amen. To I know the kids aren't going to say amen. I get that. I, if I were a kid and I was in school, I wouldn't say amen either. But it's senseless. Hey, kids, how about, how about this? How about finishing school instead of 13 years in about eight? Does that sound good? How about finishing college in two and a half instead of four? Hello. Ain't nobody going to help me preach now. Hallelujah. 
Just, just make sense a little bit. Start at eight years old, finish when you're 16, you're done with college, you get your PhD by the time you're 22. Sounds like a terrible idea, Pastor. You should shut up. Well, well, ain't nobody going to help me now. All right, I'll, I'll get off of that uh, little soapbox of mine because I know don't nobody want to hear it. Today I'm going to take you to the book of Matthew chapter 6. And read uh, three verses here in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. We'll begin reading. I'll be reading in the New King James Version. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, everyone say, where your treasure is, there your heart will also, or will be also. Amen. Today I want to spend some time talking about value. Would you bow your heads and help me ask the Lord's blessing on the remainder of our service. Jesus, wonderful Lord, we thank you, God, for your presence we have felt here today, for the people, oh God, that have taken time to be here to honor you. Lord, I pray that you honor them and that you increase them in knowledge of your word and presence and power with you. Lord, I ask it in the wonderful, wonderful name of the Lord. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Someone said, Yeah, minister, I read that verse, not to lay up your treasures in earth where moth and rust corrupt and destroy and thieves break in and steal. That's why I left it in the bank. Because I know the bank is trustworthy. You know, I think five years ago, everyone would have laughed at that. Now it's just making you mad. Yeah, even in the bank, things are not necessarily secure because inflation will destroy it, if nothing else. And we know we're never going to earn the interest just letting it sit there to outpace inflation. Amen? Amen. I don't know if I think it was two weeks ago... I told you about the mega millions, you know, was getting ready to be drawn, and I can't remember what the jackpot size is. I rambled off a few numbers <coughs> very quickly to express a point, but I think my numbers were a little bit off. But, but in the two weeks that have transpired since then, a single winning lottery ticket was sold Tuesday night, this last Tuesday night. A record estimated for the Mega Millions, $1.58 billion. $1.58 billion. Are you kidding? $1.58 billion. And one person, one ticket, won it. And they are, uh, I think, still hiding, not letting it be known. They'll quietly, hopefully... Uh, collect their, their winnings. It was purchased, the ticket, at a public supermarket in Neptune Beach, Florida. 
Neptune Beach is on the Atlantic coast near Jacksonville. I know all of you are smart enough not to drive down to Jacksonville to buy a ticket now, right? The holder of that ticket has the choice, right? The annuity over 29 or 30 years, which I guess you get a little bit more money, but as, as mom and dad taught you, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. And when we're talking about $1.58 billion, go ahead and take the lump sum. I think you'd be foolish not to. We don't know what tomorrow holds. Amen. Amen. So you're going to take the lump sum of $783.3 million before taxes. The lottery had been building up since April. All of those $2 tickets now, the jackpot being $1.58 billion, now in the lump sum of $783 million. 300,000, I think, is what the, the total would be. And I'm, I'm assuming that that's what the winner will do. Uh, I, I assume that that's what you would do. Can we just assume that for just a minute so I can have a little fun with math? All right. So you're going to take the lump sum because you know that tomorrow's promise to no one, and we don't know what we're going to be facing tomorrow. So you've got $783 million, and, of course, you've got to pay your taxes, which is going to be about half. So $1.58 billion is now, after taxes, $391,650,000. Boy, I thought I won $1.5 billion. <laughs> I, thought, I thought I won $1.5 billion, but apparently I've only got $391 million. You poor thing. I think I could take it and survive on that. But just for some fun. Now... Now, because you're a good Christian, you're going to give your tithe. And we won't even ask for extra. You're going to give your tithe, and now after your tithe, and, and we're not even asking for pre-tax tithe. You're just going to give it after, because, you, you know, you never saw it. It wasn't an increase. Okay, fine. No argument here. Uh, uh, $352,485,000 is what you've got in the bank. And because you are a wise investor, because you're a wise investor, you decide, you know, I'm not going to spend this. I'm not just going to blow through it. I'm going to put it in safe investments. Not just sit it in a savings account because that's not going to give me much. I'm going to put it in some good investments, solid investments, safe investments that are going to bring me back about 5% on average a year. Maybe some years it's going to be a smidge less, but some years it's going to be a smidge more. It's going to be about... 5%. It's not aggressive investing. I'm going to get 5% back on my money. And so, do you know how much money you're going to make every year now in perpetuity? $17,624,250. Do you think you could survive on $17 million a year? Now, if you're wise, I'm saying, if you're, if you're wise, you could just blow through that money. But $17 million, $17.5 million a year. So, each month, you will have $1,468,687.50 to live on. Do you think you could make it each month with $1.4 million? Each week, you would have at your disposal totally disposable money. Do with it whatever you want. Why? Because 
All of your investment, all of your winnings are in an investment. You're never losing the, the principal amount. $341,555.23 each week. You know, the first couple weeks, I could spend all of it. I'm not sure if I could spend it every week. What am I going to do with $341,000 a week? Just call Bishop. He'll help you out. Each day you would bring in $48,956.25. Each day you would be making almost $50,000. That's $2,039 an hour. But because, you know, we're comparing it to a work week, right, a work day, I mean, you're really only working eight hours. And so for your labor of doing nothing every day, you're making $6,119 in that eight-hour period. Each minute, $34 a minute. $34 a minute. Some of us would like to make $34 an hour. That'd be, that'd be real good for some of us, right? That'd be, that'd be an increase. That'd be a good momentum. And that's only eight hours, $34 an hour. But, but $34 a minute, around the clock, around the clock. Wow. What would you buy? We talked about this briefly at Men's Huddle. And, and of course, uh, you know, it's, it's obvious, yeah, your, your, your tastes are going to change, right? You're going to build your big dream house. But then you say, decide, well, I can do one. I can, I can do two. That's what Brother Harold said at the meeting. I can do two houses, right? I, could do. I, I did a small job this week at a house in Medina. I really couldn't tell you how much this house cost. It had to be four to 5,000 square feet, big house. And, and they invited me inside for a minute to look at one or two things. Marble floors in the bedrooms. Gorgeous, just, just gorgeous. Huge house. Out in the back, just enormous pond, nice, beautiful backyard. And I was, I was talking to the homeowner. I said... So what, what, what kind of business are you in? Because I could tell, you know, well, he's got some, he's got more money than me. I don't begrudge him. I, I'm, I'm glad when people are blessed, right? He said, well, I'm retired. He said, I was, uh, I was in business. I had 45 businesses, all in the Middle East. He said, I don't even know what to do with this home. This was supposed to be for my boys, but they followed me out to California. No one uses it. I'll use it. I'll use it. If you're, if you're struggling, I'll use it. And that was amazing. This, this gentleman, Lord bless him, good for him, this mansion of a house, and he barely ever used it. It's just his second house. Or, I don't know, third, fourth, I don't know how many houses he has. I just know that he normally lives in California. Boy, oh boy, the value of the house, I don't know, it, it, it would be over a million dollars for sure. Uh, hard to say what it would be valued at. And there is, um, however, there is a difference between value and utility. I taught about this uh, several weeks ago, I think in our Sunday morning class the difference between value and utility. You see, that house is valuable. 
I don't know if it's a million. I don't know if it's three million. I don't, I don't really know. But as he said, no one's using it. It has very little utility. No one's really using that house. Now, I'm, I'm sure we would all line up and we could use it. But right now, it's, it's not getting, getting used. Things that are very useful are not necessarily really valuable. Things that are very valuable are not necessarily very useful. How can that be, Pastor? How can that be? Well, you know, think about gold. Gold is a soft metal. It's, it's very rare. And there are very few things you can actually do with it. Now, I'm not saying there's nothing you can do with it. Uh, sometimes gold is used as a, a conductor in, in very sensitive equipment because it, it conducts electricity very, very well. That's a, a use for it. Obviously, jewelry is made out of gold. But other than those couple things, really, it's just pretty to look at and hard to find. And so it's very valuable. But it doesn't have a lot of uses. But, but as I was explaining a couple weeks ago, you know, think about tools that, that a carpenter or an electrician or plumber might use. I mean, how, how useful is a $10 wrench? Well, maybe a $5 wrench. Maybe it wasn't even that. Just a simple crescent wrench. I can change it to all different sizes. It's all kinds of useful for when I need to turn that, that nut or bolt. But value, it was only a few dollars. So there is this great disparity, really, between value and utility sometimes. Sometimes things are valuable and useful. But here is the great question for a Christian. What things are valuable in the eyes of God. What things are valuable according to the word of God? If you're stopping and thinking about what is valuable to you, I'm not sure what might come to mind, but, but there is, again, that great disparity between value and utility. The Bible says in Acts 2 and verse 41, then those who gladly received his word, that is Peter's word from preaching, were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together. And had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all, as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily... Those who were being saved were such as should be saved, as the King James says. That is the description of the first church given in the book of Acts. Think about some of those words for a couple of minutes. That this first church, the infant church, had all things common. Other parts of Acts 
goes into further description of this where people would sell all that they had and give it to the apostles and then they would disperse to everyone according to the needs that they had. Some people have asked, why don't we still do that today? Well, you just try it. You just try to ask someone, sell all you got and give it to me. But of course, the apostles never asked. It was a moving of the spirit. And it was for the intent to launch the first church, right? Because if we all today sold everything that we owned, it may not add up to that $1.58 billion jackpot, but it'd be more than any single one of us has. However, if we've sold everything we have, what is money good for? Not a trick question. To be spent. Now or later. And the point is simply this, that if we sell everything that we have, pretty soon we're not going to have any money because we're going to buy something. We're going to buy something else. We're going to buy something else. We need to eat. We need clothes. We need shelter. So why don't we do this still today? Well, there you have it. We're not just about launching the ministry, but we're about continuing the ministry. And all of that, all of that little diatribe about the first church, just to say this. In thinking about the things that are valuable according to the scripture, according to the word of God, according to his mind. Can I propose to you that the church is valuable? Yes. Christian, the church is valuable. I'll go even a little farther to say this church is valuable. Well, the building is market value. I'm not sure what, but, but that's not what I'm talking about. The church is, is more than walls and, and carpet and pews. The church is more than a building. Can I hear an amen? The church is a body of called out believers that dedicate their life and dedicate their efforts and dedicate what their whole life is about to, to the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The church is valuable. So valuable to the infant church that they sold everything they had to launch it. Why do people leave one church and go to another? There's a lot of answers to that question. There's a lot of answers. But can I just propose to you that when they look around and if they compare one church to another, they in some way say, there's more value over there for me than there is here. And if the church is a body of called out believers, that kind of hurts our feelings. Why is my soul less valuable to you? Not to be too judgmental, but, but I hope that you can see what I'm saying that someone might go to one church over another because of the perception of value. You know, I, I suppose that's, that's why we ought to strive to make our church 
as valuable as we possibly can. Are, are you ready to receive the word? That, that means if there is a need in the church and you're not willing to step up to fill the need, don't complain about not having the value. Everybody still with me? Y- you all right? Y- 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 are you okay out there? I-, I want a valuable church. Oh, just, just sit there and be quiet then. I said, I want a valuable church. I, I-, I want a place to-, to come to that is exciting and that is worth coming to, that-, that-, that has some things going on and has some precious people of the Lord that, that sing some good songs. Can I get a witness right now? I, I want to come to a valuable church. But if I'm not willing to be a part of that church and to make it as good as I can. Now, I, I can read it again if you want, or, or you can, you know, I trust that, that you heard it. That the infant church sold everything that it had just to launch the church forward. Hey. You are the church. You are valuable. But if you're not investing in the ministry, if you're not investing in the kingdom of God, you are devaluing the most priceless thing we have on this planet. The church, the church is valuable. Acts chapter 3 says, Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Greeks because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Remember how they sold everything, collected the money, distributed as such has need? All of a sudden they found out they weren't good at it in some areas. There you have it. The church is valuable but it is not perfect. Why do people leave one church to go to another? Well, that church isn't perfect. I'm going to go to the perfect church. I said perceived value. Perceived value. I'm going to go to the perfect church. As bishops always said, if you find that perfect church, don't join it because as soon as you do, it won't be perfect anymore. Now, can I get a witness from someone who knows that they are a sinner saved by grace? Can I get a witness from someone who knows that they fail all the time? Can I get a witness from anyone who might struggle with vain imagination? Can I get a witness from anyone who realizes that I'm valuable because I'm a part of the church, but by myself, I am nothing. I am undone. I am worthless without Jesus Christ. There arose a complaint by the Hebrews, by the Jews against the Greeks, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It's not desirable, it's not good, it doesn't make sense that we should leave the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. 
I taught about this at length in Wednesday night a couple months ago. The early church valued widows. Can I just change it a little bit for the modern? The, the church should find value. We as Christians should find value in our elders. I know I got a couple witnesses here. I got a couple of men's. I, I want to try it again, though. Young people, you should find value in the old fogies around here. Amen. 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 You know, they've been some places you haven't. They've seen some things that you haven't. They know some things that you don't. They've prayed some prayers for things that you've never faced. And one day you might, but hopefully you never will. There is a well of spiritual guidance available to you if you can get to know someone who has had a prayer life for more than five minutes around here. There's value in your elders. Now, I understand that we, we all, we reach an age where less and less seems to be rolling around up there. I like to tell people my short-term memory committed suicide at 35. I don't know what's going on. I can't remember anything anymore. It's amazing. But there are some things that stick. The gospel sticks deep within me. I can still quote Acts 2.38, amen. I can still quote Deuteronomy 6 and 4. I can still quote Acts 4 and 12, amen. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for this promise is unto you and your children, and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And I could go on. There are some things that stick deep with Within you. Even if your short term memory fades, even if some things begin to, you know, it's amazing to me. I'm just going to, I'm going to do what I do to myself sometimes and derail myself. It's amazing to me. I've never known a person to read the Bible more than my mom. She read it all the time. She got to where she was reading it twice every year. And as she got older, she would misquote scripture constantly. Constant. She would tell stories. They were completely wrong from the Bible. Completely wrong. I couldn't understand it. She read it more than anybody, and she would get it all kinds of twisted and turned and upset. But to think for one second that there was not spiritual value in that woman, you'd be crazy. If you, and you do know her. You did know her. It, to, to think that, that, that there wasn't deep uh, abiding value, a deep well of spiritual power, Holy Ghost anointing all, absolutely there was value yes. in the elder. There is value. And seemingly those that the, the, the world likes to say, well, you're not good for anything anymore. All the utilities dried up can't go to work anymore. What, what good are you, are you for? The famous playwright, Shaw, can't remember his first name right now. He's a, there's a video of him saying that, you know, once you reach a certain age and you can't contribute to society anymore, we should, you know, just have you sit down and make you as comfortable as we can and, uh, you know, give you whatever concoction and just, just kill you.
And that wasn't recent. That was, I think, in the 1920s, somewhere around there. Wow. I'm remembering the words of Paul instructing Timothy. You know, if you've got people out there that, that won't support their own family and won't take care of their people, that's not just the kids, that's the elders too. They've denied the faith and they're worse than an infidel. I want to try one more time. There's great value in the elders among us. Can I try it a different way? There's great value in gray hair. Sometimes there's great value in no hair. I just want to include everybody. The Bible says in Acts 3, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold... I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with him, walking, leaping, and praising God. Did you know that the lame and the poor are valuable in the eyes of God? Now, understand, they're not valuable because they're lame or poor, necessarily. But the lame and the poor can still be valuable. Why? Because he, he looked at Peter and he expected to receive something from Peter. I, I, the, the key there is that, that people are valuable when they are ready to receive from God. It's awful easy to walk around life and, and look at people who are less fortunate, ugly, lame, poor, whatever, and, and, and to attribute to them some type of judgment that they're not as valuable as the next guy. Hey, I got news for you. If you want to abandon the word of God and you don't want to find any value in people, God can could just find someone else to be in the ministry, to be in the kingdom. He'll find a bum living under a bridge, bring him the gospel, bring him into the church, baptize him in Jesus' name, fill him with the Holy Ghost and fire. They'll out-sing you, out-praise you, out-pray you, out-fast you. Can I get a witness right now? The poor and the lame and every human under heaven is valuable in the eyes of God. When one sinner repents, all of heaven rejoices. There's great value, great value, even among the least of these. As you have done it to the least of humanity, you've done it unto me. There's great value in what the world rejects. Isn't that what is written? He chose the foolish things to confound the wise. He chose the weak things to confound the strong. You don't think he can... Choose the poor things to confound the rich. Acts chapter 4. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Jesus. 
But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge, for we cannot but speak and speak the things which we have seen and heard. Church, the gospel is valuable. The gospel is valuable. Now, I know that he didn't use the word gospel. He said the things which we have seen and heard, and that's the difference between Peter, James, John, and you and I, is that they walked with them and talked with them. The elders have value, and so did the first church. Amen? I just I can't understand a lot of, of Christianity these days who thinks that they're so much smarter than Paul and so much smarter than Peter and so much smarter than John and that they could out-teach them and out-preach them and out-think them. And they don't understand the simple fact that these men walked with Jesus Christ and he revealed to them his plan for the kingdom of God but somehow we being removed by by 2,000 years have somehow uh, uh, got it better than they isn't that mind-blowing isn't that just mind-blowing or we're just gonna throw them out of the Bible we're just gonna reject Paul because he's a big meanie we're just going to reject John because, you know, he's, his standard is too high. We're just going to reject all these people because they, they, they got it wrong. No, 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 no. They walked with Jesus in his ministry. They, they, they witnessed, even if it was from afar for most of them, when he walked that Via Dolorosa. They watched as he was nailed to the old rugged cross. They watched as he was suspended between heaven and earth. And they were there in the tomb when that body got up and started walking again. The gospel has got great value. That's the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's got... Can, you, you judge for yourself, is it better for us to listen to man or God? Because we cannot do anything except tell you what we have seen and what we have heard. Yes. Acts 5, when they agreed with him, and when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus. And let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. The name has value. Hey church, one more time. If, I, I know maybe I've preached too long. Are you still with me? The, the name has value the name has great value well I know that there's all kinds of people in the world that pray to a God a deity an idea a philosophy but I challenge any of them to show me one that they're praying to that ain't still dead are you hearing me now there's value in the name 
of Jesus. And in the previous chapter, it was Peter who said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's the saving name of Jesus Christ. There's value in that name. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is great value in the name of Jesus. I'm going to tell you what, if you don't know what to pray, your back is up against the wall, you've got burdens and you've got cares and you've got trouble, call upon the name of Jesus and then stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. There's power when you call on the name Jesus. 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 This is the the great mystery to the Jews. This is the great mystery to them. began to touch on this on our Wednesday night class last week, this, this last week, about the canon of Scripture. Moses said, the burning bush. If you send me to your people, they will ask, what is his name? I am that I am. You're just going to tell them I am has sent me unto you. But Jesus rolls around and he says, before Abraham was, I am. His name was hidden, this great mystery, this great mystery. This is the stone that the builders rejected. We're not careful to answer you, Sanhedrin. We're not careful to answer you, world. It's not us that heals anybody. It's Jesus if he wants to. It's not us that saves anybody. It's Jesus, and he is willing. It's not us that does anything in in heaven above or earth beneath. It's all in him. It's all in him. I want to say it one more time. It's all in him. It's all in him. The fullness of the Godhead. It's all in him. Hallelujah. Can I get a witness right now that someone knows that there is power when you call on the name of Jesus. What is more valuable to a Christian than that he has got the revelation on who to pray to, who to call on, who to believe in, who to hope in? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. A lot of these young people, they don't know that song. It's all in him. It's all in him. The fullness of the Godhead. It's all in him. It's all in him. It's all in him. The mighty God is Jesus, and it's all in him. Oh, what are you preaching about that for? There's stuff we know. We, we know we can pray in the name of Jesus. Do you really understand that this unseen, untouchable, unknowable God that only would speak to prophets of old, that only would speak in his choosing, in his time, it would only move when it suited him and when, when he was ready, and, and he would only accept certain sacrifices, and you had to approach him so perfectly and so circumspectly and, and so reverently. Now, is attainable just at the name Jesus. Just at the name. There's value 
there's value in the name. Well, I'm sure we could go on and on about things that are valuable according to the kingdom, according to the, the mind of God. I would begin to close by reminding you the story of Job. His possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the east. In other words, Job was rich. Job was valuable, his possessions. And you know, for my little argument in the beginning, he wasn't just cash rich, he was asset rich. He had stuff, sheep and oxen and this. You know, that, that meant wealth because those things just perpetuate. Those, those sheep, they make little baby sheep. Those camels, they make little baby camels. And they continue to, as long as you can feed them and, and water them and keep them healthy. He had this great wealth, and you know well the story how God allowed the enemy to take from him pretty well everything in his life except his life. Took his children, took his flocks, and had his friends accuse him and his wife accuse him. There's this great verse in Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 12 came to me, I don't know, almost 20 years ago, I guess now, one of those times when someone here may have had an experience just like this, just felt desperate and just needed God to speak to me. And I literally just flung open the Bible at random and chose a verse at random. The verse I found, Zechariah 9 and 12, Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today I declare that I will restore double to you. Restore double to you. It would be nice to win $1.58 billion, but it'd be even better to win $3 billion. See, that's the kind of God we serve that, that you think that what you want is here, but, but, but he's got his eye on double. You think your potential is here, but, but he's got bigger plans for you than you probably understand. Like when he showed up and began to speak to Gideon and called him and said, you mighty man of valor. Gideon turns around and says, who, me? I'm the lowliest member of the lowliest family in the lowliest tribe in Israel. God has bigger plans and more value in you than you probably can understand. That's why it is sad when people abandon the church and leave it and want to go find value somewhere else. They don't see the value in you that God sees in you. I wish I had a witness right now. God's got bigger things for you than you can probably imagine. If you'll step into it, if you'll return to the stronghold and let him work in you. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning.
And whereas before he had 7,000 sheep, he had 14,000 sheep. And before he had 3,000 camels, now he's got 6,000 camels. He used to have 500 yoke of oxen, and now he's got 1,000. He used to have 500 donkeys, and now he's got 1,000. And he blessed him with new children. You know, in the early chapters of Job, it's kind of clear to understand his, his kids were a bit rebellious. They had that uh, daddy's rich attitude. They would spend their time partying and drinking and carrying on. But you know, that, that's, that's, no, that's no comfort to a parent that's lost a child. Job loved his kids. He prayed for his kids. He sacrificed for his kids. And I'm sure, I have no doubt, he, he wept for them and, and mourned them the rest of his life. And that's probably appropriate, and that's probably what it should be. But, but in the end, God restored to him not what he had lost. He gave him double, and he gave him a new family. He restored to him children, sons, and daughters. Return to the stronghold. You prisoners of hope, I declare today, I've got a double portion for you. I've got a double portion for you. Would you stand with me right now? The prophet Elijah, when his ministry was coming to a close, had his protege, Elisha, attending to him. Wouldn't leave his side, though Elijah bid him. Stay back, stay back, stay back. I'm, I'm getting ready to go home with the Lord. Stay back. And Elisha wouldn't leave his side. And finally, Elijah said, well, my time's come. What would you have me give to you? What would you have me pray for you for your future, Elisha? I bid you, would you pray that I would receive a double portion of your spirit? And Elijah says, you've asked a hard thing. And nothing is hard for God. The impossible is as close as just him uttering the words. But if you want to increase in the Lord, you find him valuable, you find his gospel valuable, you find his people valuable, you find his name valuable, you want to increase in him, well, Elisha, it's hard because you've got to double your dedication you got to double your sacrifice. you got to double your seriousness. All the things that I have accomplished, I was at this level, but if you want a double portion, you gotta, you got to up the ante. And as the Word of God in history well records, Elisha performed double the miracles that Elijah did in his day. Church, there's value here more value than we understand. Look at your neighbor. Look across. Just take a little gander around this sanctuary. All these people that you think look weird and smell funny and act crazy and all that nonsense and understand it's your job to find gold in them. It's your job to find value in them. God would not trade them for you. Did you hear the preacher? That crazy on the other side of the aisle. He would not trade them for you. 
red and yellow, black and white, we're all precious in his sight. Short and stubby, long and thin, we are precious in his sight. Would you raise your hands towards heaven right now? Would you call upon the value of heaven to overwhelm your soul? Heavenly Father, God, help us, Jesus, not to invest in the things of this world where moth and rust corrupts, but let us have our eyes set on eternity, that where we put our money and where we put our time and where we put our effort and where we put our hope is in you and your name and your gospel and your people. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I started today in the Sermon on the Mountain. Let me finish there before I dismiss you. The Beatitudes begin... Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. It might be difficult to differentiate meek from humble, but, but hear the word of the Lord. If you want to increase in the earth, you want to increase what you have, learn how to be meek. Or as the song says, that Brother Harold has sang many times, learn how to give it away. Learn how to not hold on for dear life to petty possessions. Be ready and willing and able to give. If your brother asks you to go a mile, go two with him. If he asks for your coat, give him your coat and give him another coat. If people are in need, learn how to give to them. For as that early church understood, I have no property. He owns it all. Be ready and willing to give and to sow into people. Yeah, people that are going to do foolish things and, and, and do wrong with it some of the time. Yeah, be ready to give. Yes. Be ready to sow into them. Lord, thank you for your word and thank you for these blessed people that have, that have endured me today in a long lesson and a, and a complex subject. Lord, help us all to continue steadfastly in you. Go with us on our way. We bless that wonderful name of the Lord. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you all. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord.